What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. And today we have uh, a big beginning of a big project that we've been working on over the last few weeks. And that is House of the Dragon Season 1 Iceberg. And basically how this is going to work is uh, me and Sir Matt are going to be going over a lot of the theories that have been formulating with House of the Dragon Season 1, some Easter eggs and all other types of things. Yeah, I think combined, I don't know how many we've got, but uh, probably got around 20 big theories or so uh, that we're going to be diving in. And it just gets crazier and crazier as you zoom out, right, of the picture of the iceberg. Yes. And uh, so we'll we'll be diving in to all of those. It's going to be a lot of fun. Today's tier one, tier two. So tier one, pretty straightforward, you know, some of those things. But as you progress down, right, as you get further into the rabbit hole or you look further underneath the water it just gets crazier and crazier so yeah this is definitely uh a lot of fun something we like jimmy said we've been working on so uh we'll just go ahead and dive in so conspiracy theory number one the maesters conspiracy is there a grand maester conspiracy is it affecting viserys targaryen so are the maesters working against Viserys Targaryen. A long-running theory in A Song of Ice and Fire is that the Maesters have a grand conspiracy to destroy or control magic, giving them more power and control. One key moment we see in Game of Thrones is when Samuel Tarly goes to the Citadel and is essentially laughed out of the room for even bringing up the idea of White Walkers still being in existence. In the books, the Maesters have also speculated to hate the Targaryens as they dislike magic and dragons. Their hatred for a their hatred for dragons and magic was described in a feast for crows, wherein Archmaester Gild, whereas an Archmaester of the Citadel, Marwyn the Mage, stated, "Who do you think killed all the dragons the last time around? Gallant dragon slayers armed with swords?" He spat. The world the Citadel is building has no place in it for sorcery or prophecy or glass candles, much less dragons. So even if there is hate from the maesters towards the Targaryens, how are they moving against Viserys and House of the Dragon? Well, Hand of the King Otto Hightower, his house was in was integral in the building of the Citadel and still funds the institution. It is the central home for the Order of the Maesters. We've already seen the Hand of the King make King Viserys banish his brother from court in episode one of House of the Dragon. Furthermore, the king was also shown to have injured himself while sitting on the Iron Throne, an injury that the Maesters cannot heal or fix. Furthermore, the medieval Caesarian performed on the queen was also the Grand Maester's suggestion and even an event that didn't end well. Otto also seems to be tightening the grip on the king and making his daughter court the king and ultimately marry him after his wife's death. 
All of these events further indicate how Otto Hightower and the Archmaesters have weakened Viserys. He lost his wife and brother within a couple of the days, and he has an inscrut inscrutable disease, an incurable disease, and now they are getting closer to fully control him. One of the things that I was most excited about House of the Dragon is that as a firm believer in the Grand Maester conspiracy is that I felt like we were getting breadcrumbs to lead us to the conclusion that this theory just might be correct. Yeah. You know, a lot of validation in the books. We that strongly believed the Grand Maester conspiracy, right, is a huge, huge plot. It's one of the if you just go look up the biggest Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire theories. This one is always towards the top. It's been a, it's been as long running as R plus L equals J. And I felt like the show, because we didn't spend that much time with Maesters, or at least Maesters that were sort of conspiring, that we didn't get to sort of see that. It was just that one scene of Sam getting laughed out of the room. In the books, it's far more prevalent. And even in the history books, there's a lot of back and forth sort of issues with the maesters uh, much of fire and blood and you know world of ice and fire is told to us through these two perspectives mushroom and you know are an arch maester and they have back and forth accounts and this is the the text that they're using to adapt house of the dragon so you even see this like this favoritism towards certain things right and certain people in the books that's being used as the text to describe and ultimately create the show house of the dragon i think they did a great job here and you know otto's keeping viserys as we see towards the end of the season sort of at bay with milk of the poppy and it feels like there's maesters always around him working on him the minute that viserys dies the you know the maesters in the room on the small council like okay well we're just you know we're moving forward with our plans yeah, they were ready to go. And, you know, another person that throws a lot of shade at the gray rats, as she calls them, is Lady Dustin in A Dance with Dragons. It starts for me. That was the first time it really opened up my eyes to be like, yeah, you know, the maesters are in a pretty interesting position here. And and we see, obviously, the Baratheon in House of the Dragon season one, who ends up not being able to read, gives it to its maester. You know, there's a lot of power there. So I've always been very very weary of the maesters since finishing reading in the series and to see that this is kind of being perpetuated in the show was uh was wonderful for me i really enjoyed it so i i'm actually a believer of this conspiracy theory oh as am i i think there's a lot of evidence for it. the glass candles at the citadel as we see in the main in the main books but um you know one of the things and some of the theories we will be going over today, I mean, I should say, is we're in full spoiler territory. We haven't spoiled yes. anything yet. But just so you know, we will have to be, obviously, I think, in, in full spoiler territory. But um, so you were warned. But, you know, the whole the whole thing about the Dance of the Dragons is that it's basically also kind of called the dying of the dragons. Is that this is really the height of the Targaryen dynasty and this civil war causes a lot of these dragons to die and there aren't you know many left for much longer after this mm -hmm. so after this man i feel like the maesters begin to rise a little bit more in power too you know there's also the mm -hmm. faith which plays a part so there are these sort of other organizations out there doing thing and i think so often we just view it 
especially because of the show was like, oh, it's House Lannister or it's House Stark or, yeah. you know, Tully or Targaryen or Baratheon, whoever trying to vie for power. But that's not always the case. The maesters and the faith are both strong institutions out there also vying for power. Yes, very, very important institution. And as magic leaves the world and dragons leave the world, it's these institutions that will will uh, kind of fill that power vacuum left over from that. So, um, you know, I just think they could have done a better job treating Viserys. That's all I'm saying. I saw some winks, you know, between the maesters and, uh, and Otto, and I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all, Matt. No, I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust them either. But I definitely believe uh, in the idea of the Grand Maester conspiracy, both here and House of the Dragon. If really all this did all this season one of House of the Dragon did, uh, which George has said multiple times is better than his books. So you can kind of take that for whatever canon you want. But uh, all it does is sort of add even more weight mm-hmm. to that theory. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, this is uh, like you said, this is tier one of the iceberg. So some of these might seem kind of obvious. But as we go down deeper, one, some of the stuff we have for you in the last part, folks, is absolutely insane. <laughs> like, I can't believe some people believe some of this stuff. <laughs> I can't believe people wrote articles about it on the Internet and then they got <laughs> as many views and run Reddit and as much traction as they did. But we're going to dive into them. We're going to dive into them. And, uh, it, you know, I'm just saying that to say there's a lot of things on this iceberg that I don't necessarily believe. Um, this is one that I do believe, though. So absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on to the the next one here on Tier 1. Harwin Strong is the father of Rhaenyra's children. Out of everything that comes out of these conspiracies from Season 1 House of the Dragon, I think this has to be one of the most obvious ones that's most likely to be true. In House of the Dragon Season 1, we get all but exact confirmation that Harwin Strong and Rhaenyra have been romantically involved. With Laenor marrying out of duty, it is not a reach to believe Rhaenyra looked elsewhere for certain types of satisfaction. In episode six, we see some very intimate and emotional moments before Harwin is sent off to Harrenhal, uh, ultimately to his demise. And it's all due to the fact that there are rumors swirling around the Red Keep about Rhaenyra and Harwin. Even outside of the obvious displays of affection that we see between Rhaenyra and Harwin, the biggest clue to this being true is the striking resemblance that all of Rhaenyra's children happen to have with Harwin and the Strong family in general. Dark hair, light skin, which is pretty much the polar opposite of Lenor, who is her proper husband. While this all seems, you know, obvious and confirmed, it's not totally told to us to be 100% factual. So it earns a place here in, you know, in uh, the crowd of all the theories that we're doing here on this iceberg. But if I was a betting man, I would put the house on this theory being true. Yeah. And, you know, this one is one that's like, well, we watch the show. It seems pretty obvious. But if you actually go back and you dive into the books, it's never it's sort of very loosely alluded to. It's never they actually confirmed it far more in the show than they did in the books. However, I will say there is a little bit of questioning uh, and we'll get to possibly another theory later as we move into another step down the iceberg. Uh, that maybe all of Rhaenyra's kids are not Harwin Strongs. Could be some, could be none, could be, uh, you know, maybe maybe two of them. So uh, take that uh, for what you will. But yes, this one certainly seems obvious, but, uh, and it seems even more likely that there's, if they're not Harwin Strongs, they're very much not uh, Valerian, <laughs> that they're not actually Valer- Valerian blood. But uh, if you go read the books, it's it's... 
it was just sort of like alluded to, well, they were close and that's kind of it. Yeah. And, and a lot of stuff on this iceberg deals with parentage, especially the top tiers, because there's so many questions. I mean, it's more confusing than a Peter Baelish brothel birthing center of who the father is of some of these children. And we're going to have to, uh, to get to the bottom of it. But you did allude to the fact that this might not be, this theory might clash with one that we have a little bit further down on the iceberg. I think we'll probably get to that one in possibly part two or we might yeah, get to it today. It's in part two. Yeah. Yep. yeah so we'll get to it today. Yeah, and we're going to move right along to the final entry here on the tier one of the iceberg. Lemongate Easter egg theory confirmed, possibly? <laughs> For many years, fans have speculated about Daenerys Targaryen's childhood and her recollections from those days. There seem to have been inconsistencies in the visions that Danny has, the main one being that growing up in Bravos and seeing a lemon tree is not something that tracks. Lemon trees are not native to Bravos, which has led many to theorize that Danny was in fact not in Bravos during this time of her childhood. Fuel was definitely added to the fire when George R. R. Martin alluded to this being the case when answering a fan's question many years ago. The question from the fan went as so. Danny remembers a lemon tree outside the house with a red door in Bravos, but citrus trees shouldn't really grow in Bravos's cold, foggy climate. Is this difference significant? Does it point to future revelations about Danny's past? George R.R. Martin, always being sly, answered like this. Very perceptive of you. Yes, it does point to, well, that would be telling. George leaves it very ambiguous, but gives us enough breadcrumbs to send us all into theory mode. And the fandom did just that very hardcore about Lemongate. And while we don't have an answer to the questions that are posed by this theory on this iceberg, we do have an Easter egg from House of the Dragon season one that gives a nod to this theory of Lemongate. Laris and Allison are talking in episode five of House of the Dragon near the site of the Weirwood tree. Laris begins to talk about how a native plant from Bravos shouldn't be able to grow in King's Landing, claiming it is an outsider among the natives. Laris is clearly playing to Allison's feelings of loneliness and seclusion. But the more important piece for this iceberg entry is that while they are having this conversation, an image is seen in the background just over Laris's shoulder that shows, yes, you guessed it, a lemon tree front and center. Ryan Condell is a huge fan of the source material and also theories from this fandom. So one has to assume this was intentionally placed and worded to give us all something to go in and rave about. Ryan Condell is a huge nerd, just like us confirmed. Yeah. You know, this is one that always intrigues me. The lemon gate theory, the idea that Danny is actually raised in Dorn, not necessarily over in Essos, or obviously she goes to Essos at some point mm -hmm. uh, and she would be there when she's very young. I don't know. I've, I've, I've always been sort of on the fence about this one. And mm -hmm. it's one of those that I think will ultimately get, enough information in winds of winter should or if it ever comes out to see if danny does make allegiances or alliances with dorn which i think is mm -hmm. going i think dorn is going to reach out even further uh to her uh check my Aegon's crown where is Aegon's crown and where is blackfire uh theories i've talked about a little bit as well to get more information on that you know unfortunately game of thrones the show the first time the show ever really dipped uh was when they sort of introduced some of the dorn arcs that they were going to go down and they just completely ran away from it so it's 
you know, who knows how that would have progressed had the Dorn angle been just as good as everything else. So, um, nonetheless, the nod, it, it is certainly a nod to that theory in House of the Dragon, without question. Yeah, and the first time I watched this scene, whenever Laris is talking about this Bravo C plant sitting there growing in King's Landing out of its element, I immediately thought of Lemon Gate, but I didn't actually see the picture of the lemon tree behind Laris until the next day when I rewatched it. You know, I always just look for other things, right? Other details when we're covering the show. And seeing that lemon tree, I was like, oh my God, there's no way that this is a coincidence. And I'll put on my tinfoil hat and just say, hey, Ryan Condell knows some answers to some of the things that we ask questions about. Supposedly, he knows the ending of Duncan Egg now. Uh, that, that is something he mentioned in an interview. And I always just wonder, with Winds of Winter always being so much closer every day, hopefully, to coming right. out, is Ryan Condell trying to stir up a little something for the fans to get to talk about and maybe we'll see some answers in winds of winter. Uh, I just, I, if anything, you know, this is a great nod in a fantastic Easter egg and, and instills a lot of confidence in me that there's the right nerd making this show. Yeah, no. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Well now let's dive into tier two of the iceberg. Things little are peak about under to the get water. a little darker, a little more, a little more crazy, right? So, Aemond is the father of Helena Targaryen's children. What? If Aemond, yeah, is Aemond the father of Helena Targaryen's children? In House of the Dragon, we see Aemond not only say he would perform his duty when talking about marrying his sister, he is also shown to come out of her room. He gives Luke a very discern, or he gives. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Jace, a very discerning look when he dances with her in Episode 8, and he stands by her side in many scenes, including the beast beneath the boards. It would also have huge implications and significance for an upcoming part in in the books and season two called blood and cheese where Damon hires an assassin to kill one of Helena's children as a response to Luke's death. If these are now Eamon's kids, it has far more weight and significance since he will be the one viewed as killing Lucerus also making him a kinslayer. This one is very interesting. And I am leaning towards believing the show is going to make Eamon the father of those children. I, I, I just think that enough was sprinkled in earlier, even when they're kids, like really young. I think that this might be the way that they're going to go. And it would definitely add a lot more drama to Blood and Cheese, no doubt. Yeah. Another thing uh, you need to think we need to think about, too, is that the books when talking, it talks a little bit about Aegon being kind of promiscuous. Right. And mm -hmm. there is some, you know. Uh, favoritism from Aemon possibly towards Helena, but the show went far further with Aegon, making him almost feel like a Robert Baratheon, right? Out there just chasing, you know, uh, brothels and serving maids and all of those, all of those things, as opposed to his wife. So to me, it added a lot more credibility to it simply because we see Aegon's not interested at all in her, and Aemon clearly is. Then you add in the idea of now it's possibly his children. It just adds so much more drama, so much more weight. And it goes in a very long line of this sort of undercurrent 
in House Targaryen, if you begin really diving into the tree, there's actually potentially bastards that go on to be very significant yeah. players from start to finish in, in uh, the Targaryen dynasty. It also, in theory, since they're not married, would make Rhaenyra kind of the real true winner of the Dance of the Dragons. Because mm -hmm. one of the, you know, one of the things that happens is Rhaenyra's son, Aegon III, marries Helena's daughter. And then that as the as the final pact to sort of rejoin House Targaryen. Well, if Aemon, if Rhaenyra's daughter, whose name I'm blanking on, is now a bastard, then you know, you can kind of say, well, she's not even a real true Targaryen. Because at the end, you kind of view it as well, they both win in a way, because mm -hmm. their kids get married and then the throne is restored. But now it's almost like, well, no, it's really only Rhaenyra that wins. And you know, it's not blood, it's the name, right? Mm -hmm. that's what we're told in the show um i think the only the you know the evidence against this would be the fact that a lot of people feel like it does not track with helena's character in the show she doesn't seem like someone that would have an affair but i also don't believe that she's a character that seems like she wouldn't be interested in maybe actually feeling love which i think Eamon is probably one to provide that it, it's not a surprise if they would end up together to me because i feel like they're both slightly misunderstood uh, Helena probably way more so than Eamon, but Eamon clearly has a more emotional side and he's seen as most people post season one, he will be seen as a psychopath. So it's, um, I could see them bonding through that and maybe they have already bonded before this. Right. And who else, and who also doesn't know, know the way Aegon goes, Aegon might know and not care. He didn't even want the crown in the show. Right. He said, right. He, Eamon said, I'll take it. And he's like, well, hey, that's not a bad idea. And then uh, Crispy right. Cole ruined it. Doesn't he say something along the lines of like, oh, you know, Aegon's like, I wouldn't want to marry her. And Eamon's like, well, I would. I'd I would perform my duty. Did, I I don't know if he said it or I have to go back and look, but it's all I almost the vibe he gave was like, well, you can have her. Well, OK, I guess I will. <laughs> that was kind of the vibe I got as well. In that right. episode. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah. well, whatever. It's not it's not my preferred play thing. So uh, I think this theory has some weight to it. And I especially think in the show that this could end up being confirmed uh, in future seasons. So this one is good. And, you know, we're still in the believable phase because once we get down to tier three and four, I'm telling you guys, it it's just, just unbelievable. It's outlandish. <laughs> yes. OK. All right. Well, let's move on to another one that is going to clash with uh, another theory we had earlier. So Kristen Cole is the father of Lu is the father of Jaceres Valerian. While the realm whispers, or in the case of House of the Dragon, publicly states that Harwin Strong is the father of Rhaenyra's children, one theory suggests that her firstborn could be the son of Kristen Cole. Given how important hair color and style has been used throughout the series to determine who is the father of many children's in A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, who they belong to, this theory looks at how Jaceres' hair, while black like Harwin's, isn't as curly as his brother Luke's. It's a little more straightforward uh, and a little more uh, emo. I don't know what I don't know what to what to call it. It's you know it's almost got the, it's almost got a little bit of the uh, Wheel of Time or not the um, Lord of the Rings Rings of Power you know flare flare to it. But while we also see that Rhaenyra does sleep with Kristen and when found out is given moon tea, otherwise known as Westerosi plan B to drink it, but we never see her actually drink it in the episode. So is it possible that 
Jaceris Valerian is actually the son of Kristen Cole. When he asks her, am I, you know, am I, you know, you're, you're, is he my father? She says, you are a Targaryen. This one is fun. Uh, for the same reason that the last one is, is because man, would that add a lot more drama to this entire civil war? It would make it a lot more messy. Uh, this one, I'm not as sold on as the last one, which is why we put it after. I think, I think this one is a little bit more because we're, we're going really off of timing hairstyle, but in theory, I think it's possible. I know in the books, it, it doesn't line up time timeline wise, but the timeline has been uh changed in the show it's not the exact same timeline as far as years go by and whatnot so i i would love for someone to be able to disprove this if they could figure out the show's exact timeline from episode to episode yeah i think it's true in the show yeah this you like this one this is your, this is one of your favorite theories right well well because there's because there's so much going for it. one the hairstyle it's like they you know the casting in this show has been very specific and very good, right? I mean, like Olivia Cook, you know, to Olivia Cook, and you look at, um, I always forget her name, uh, Emily Carey, and then you have Emma Darcy and Millie Alcock. I mean, like the way they, the hair, the makeup, everything, just their facial features, they're so similar to the young and old versions. And then Luke has very curly hair just like harwin strong i mean harwin strong's hair is like kit harrington's i mean it's like they they got a curling iron out there you know while they're <laughs> while they're out there training it's ridiculous it's just so it's just so so and then you know Kristen cole's got this very like nice sort of like straight uh hair style and if you look if you look at him next to Jaceris uh, valerian their they their hair looks like identical it's not just the hair color sometimes it's the hair style it's one of the reasons that people think that mira reed given that she's born in the same year as Jon snow uh and that she goes back to Howland reed when ned stark takes Jon snow back to uh, went you know to Winterfell, and it was Howland Reed's the whole reason we got out of the Tower of Joy alive. It's one of the big reasons everyone thinks that she could be John's twin, right? That she could be John Swin is because the hair is it's this long black curly hair as well. So it's not just uh, the hair color, but the fact that she doesn't we the it's left open the the mm -hmm. the tea. Right. For a couple of reasons. One, if she drinks it, then she kind of admits that she did. Yeah. If she doesn't drink it. And we have no idea whether she did or not. If she doesn't drink it, then she could say, well, I don't have to drink it because I didn't do anything wrong. That also means if she doesn't drink it and going down the route of saying I didn't do anything wrong, then she could be pregnant. And who would that be with? Well, that would be with, you know, Kristen Cole. And, the, the, and then you know, the timeline could, in theory, work up. And then when asked, she says, you're a Targaryen. Yeah, because he, so, he asks if Harwin is his father. Is his father. And she says, you're a Targaryen. <laughs> now, that leaves it open, too, because the idea is, well, you're a Targaryen. You're my you're my son. That's like all you need to know. Well, you know, that's what Ned, you know, Ned Stark says. You're, you have Stark blood. You have my blood. Right. <laughs> Just saying, man, there's some similarities. Hey, and you know what? This is one of those unless if it's proven, it won't be disproven in the show because they wouldn't they wouldn't backtrack to talk about it if it's not 
if it's not true, right? So in theory, I mean, it's kind of headcanon at this point. So even if they never disprove it in the future seasons of the show, you could watch the show with this headcanon in mind. And it kind of makes it different. Like it's a whole different experience if you think about it like that. Yeah, I think it's fun. And I think it's, it's just the it's the way they leave some of these things open to interpretations like, well, this was left open. So it opens the possibility for all these other things. Mm-hmm. And then this was left open. So it also opens up the possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of the more fun ones here on the iceberg. And I, I, I wonder if we'll get any confirmation. I wonder if that will come to play down the line. Yeah. You never know. Never know. I guess so. uh I guess that puts us here to our last entry here on tier two and the ending of the first part of our iceberg series. And this one is one of my favorites. Viserys dreamt the dinner scene in episode eight. This theory is one that I love and is really up for your interpretation as the viewer. This theory states that the dinner scene in episode eight of house of the dragon was a fevered illusion or dream from Viserys's perspective. At first, I said, pretty much absolutely no way this could be true. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized just how crazy it is that both sides at this dinner are getting along so well. They're smiling, they're joking, they're laughing. And Otto Hightower seems to be wildly out of character as he's making faces and funny noises towards Allison. And it's sending her into a fit of giggles. It's a really wonderful scene. But the suspicion begins whenever you believe that if these are real events, They stopped happening as soon as King Viserys was led out from the dinner to go to his bedchambers for him falling ill. Obviously, this is where Aemon delivers the strong line that results in the dinner becoming a complete disaster. So one has to ask, is that just simple timing? Or was this just Viserys' mental state declining and his own wishes becoming his distorted experience in this reality? Or did the Black and Greens truly put aside their feud for a loving, warm dinner for Viserys before it all went to shit. Really, it's up for us and for you to decide. Yeah, I think that he wasn't dreaming it. I think it actually happened. Okay. Um, Because I think it makes it even more sort of significant to Viserys being the glue that was holding everything together. Mm. I do really love the idea, though, of it possibly not being as good as Viserys thought. And it's this kind of dream he's having, mm-hmm. um, especially because then he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra later and he's not. Yes. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of validity to the idea that it was this fever dream or, you know, whatever fever dream or he's just delusional and gone. But yeah, ultimately I, I have to go against this one just because I think, the significance of the story is that as soon as he leaves, it all breaks down. Yeah. I think thematically for Viserys, the character, I think it is more important for this not to be an illusion, but I think from a directing perspective and a character perspective, it would be a really cool decision if this was an illusion and the shots in that scene were very sporadic and they cut a bunch of quick cuts to different people acting, you know, very happy (laughs) and putting aside this petty feud. So I like both instances a lot. I would tend to lean towards the side of thinking that it is most likely not an illusion because I think as showrunners, they're probably more concerned with Viserys's, you know, value to the family, especially this being his last episode rather than showing him in a fevered state. I think it would probably have made it a little bit more obvious, but 
who knows? Maybe it's some more of that really subtle storytelling that Miguel and Ryan Condell have done in the past. Uh, I like this a lot just because it plays with the idea of perspective, though. So it's this is a really good entry. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, okay, well, Jimmy, that is part one of the iceberg of our iceberg. Technically, I guess it's tier one and tier two, but we're going to call it part one and part uh, just part one for the for the uh, podcast here. But, yeah, there's a lot to go. Um, and let me tell you, looking at some of these, it gets more and more absurd. We have war warging. We have maybe cameos from other Game of Thrones actors and actresses. I mean, the last eight theories on this, which make up tier three and then the darkest tier four. Um, I don't know. Some of these I, I have absolutely blown my mind. And, uh, you know, this one was a little more tame, but we're going to get spicy in the next part. Yeah. And maybe when we're done, we'll do like a ranking because some of these because, you know, some of the ones that even may hit like you know part one or part two and then some just because they're in that tier might be even like there's one in, in the in the bottom tier that is the most out like looking at it we almost might need to move it to another tier because it's I, the most outlandish thing i've ever heard you know what we might actually have to make a fifth tier for just the one theory because it, it's it's the most uh, without <laughs> even saying it without even saying i know we're looking at the same one right now and we're like that is just batshit stupid like <laughs> But here's the crazy thing is, is that I, we only qualified theory because we created this iceberg and right. we took theories that people genuinely believe that didn't just throw out like ridiculous things. Like I have met people in my real life at work who believe one of these bottom theories that is just absolutely, it, it blew my mind. And they're just like, yeah, don't you believe it? I'm like, no, absolutely. I don't. But now I'm going to put this on an iceberg because <laughs> it's fantastically yes. entertaining. It is. It is absolutely crazy. So, all right, guys. Well, with that, stay tuned and be sure to check this out on YouTube because we're going to be doing a lot more um, editing and all the stuff, piecing this all together, as well as posting stuff on TikTok. And we've been getting a lot more people over there and uh, got some more, a lot more content coming. We're doing a Patreon hangout uh next monday so stay tuned for that it's i've already the link is everything's been posted in patreon so that'll be fun we'll just do a quick little i think maybe two hour hangout happy hour monday night football will be on we can kind of hang out talk about the holidays and everything so it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of fun things coming stay tuned have more patreon content and apple premium coming as well uh so diving into all of this stuff always so much more fun still loving all of the stuff going on with the house of the dragon sort of post. And then uh, Jimmy and I are going to dive into that rise of the dragon book, which is really just fire and blood and might be doing that as a Patreon read along and Apple premium. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. So with that guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And remember that winter is coming. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.